Cameron. Um, I want to start this episode by quickly saying that my heart goes out to anyone currently affected by the situation in Minneapolis, as well as anyone affected by racism in general on a daily basis. Uh, I believe all cops are bad and that there needs to be immediate justice for George Floyd. Uh, I 100% support the protesters and even the looters. I think what they're doing is great, and the structures of power need to see that the people will rise up against them and show how they really aren't needed, the um, police, uh, that communities will take care of and support each other without them. Um, it's really gross how police behave and how they've been enabled to view civilians as an other, quote-unquote, I think it's pathetic. So, yeah, I just wanted to quickly verbalize my support before getting started because it's getting really crazy in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, anyways, on another note, uh, a lot of people listened to the last episode with Eric from Mom Jeans, and I want to say thank you. Not just to Eric for coming on and being so open during our conversation, but to all the Mom Jeans fans that checked out the episode. It really means a lot to know that people are listening and enjoying and getting something out of this podcast. Um, it makes me really happy. Today's show features my friend Kyle Luck. Kyle sang in a band called Oliver Houston. Uh, and Oliver Houston is a legendary band from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I always really enjoyed their approach to the Midwest emo sound. It was really poppy and fun. So if you're unfamiliar, definitely go check them out first and then come back. This was a great conversation. We got deep into their history as a band, as well as uh, we touched on some other late 2000s Midwest emo lore, talked about Kyle playing in merchant ships for a month before his parents stripped him of his rocker privileges. Uh, we even talked about getting playlisted by Maddie Healy, the singer of 1975, which, if there's any indication of quality or barometer for success as a niche indie DIY emo band, I feel like that's got to be it, right? Getting put on a public playlist by a singer of 1975. And I love that band. I'm a big fan. So I was really psyched for them to see that they got that kind of um, recognition. Um, I left in some small talk at the end. If it's boring, feel free to tap out. Once he asks if we're done, and he asks about me and my life, I decided to leave it in because we do end up talking some more about writing songs and our approach to that kind of stuff, 
as well as talking about how gigs and social events have affect us and have been affected by the pandemic. There wasn't a way to leave that stuff in without also leaving the mundane parts to keep the flow of the conversation natural. Do you guys like some of the more like mundane subjects that get talked about on here? Let me know at Blush Cameron on all social media. Um, oh yeah, at the beginning of the episode, that was a clip from an unreleased song of mine. Um, working title is Okay. Yeah, it's not released yet. It'll be on an album that I'm working on. Uh, if you like it and want to hear some of my other music that is released... Just search Blush Cameron on whichever streaming platform you like. Uh, Okay, here's the show. Goodbye. Hello? Hey. You would be like, yeah, let's use Discord. <laughs> dude, dude, it's the best chat platform, first of all. It's a chat platform for gamers, secondly. Which is Which we are. Which we are. Um but yeah, I don't know. Skype kinda sucks these days. I don't know if you've tried it lately. I haven't but... used, no, I haven't used Skype in in a long time. Yeah, I don't Skype know. Skype exists somewhere in my mind with like um LimeWire. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Aren't you yeah. like doing like uh, coding or something out there? Don't, what do you don't you, what do you guys use to communicate? Oh well, I mean, like uh, Discord is cool. I, I mean, I was just um, you know uh, joking around. Uh, Discord is is great. Um, Slack also, but it's oh. like Slack is really interesting, um, but it's more like I guess good for groups as opposed to just like one on one. I see. Um, so I feel like I, I'm in Slack a lot, like at, at my job. Um, but no, I think Discord is cool and Twitch and stuff. like. I mean, not, Twitch is not necessarily a chat platform, but it's sort of in the same stratosphere. Apps for gamers. <laughs> yeah, like us. <laughs> so if we could just start at the beginning, if you don't mind, uh, of yeah, your sure. whole path in through music and being a DIY soldier. <laughs> how did you how did you get into alternative music um do, was there music in your house growing up or um yeah definitely i mean like i so i guess i got into music um because my sister and my dad were definitely both super into different sorts of music um and like honestly when i was real young i was brought up like listening to classic rock uh and like i got a lot of that sort of influence from my dad like you know a good midwestern white dad from (laughs) from like you know born in the early 60s like yeah uh that Mm -hmm. that was um like definitely part of it was picking stuff up from him but then my sister started to get into uh all sorts of music and also was sort of into the local music scene um and so it's really like um i guess i started 
listening to, you know, broadly punk, uh, pop punk music. And I mean, this was when, you know, this was when Warp Tour was like uh, a big deal. And, um, and so I definitely early on, I was like super into Blink-182. That was sort of like a gateway band for alternative music. And then, uh, and then there were a bunch of like, metal and screamo bands that were playing down in South Bend because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't raised in Grand Rapids. I was like raised in Southern Michigan. Mm-hmm. So it was actually like, you know, it made sense to jump up to shows in Kalamazoo and it made sense to go down to South Bend. And at the time, uh, I don't really, I remember going to shows in Kalamazoo, but like um, the sort of like really formative years were in South Bend and um, so we started, like, I would go down with my sister and she was a few years older than me. So there was sort of this like understanding with my parents that if she was around, I could go, um, and she could drive us and stuff like that. So, um, we would see these heavy, heavy bands, uh, play like, uh, the burial and, uh, we saw this met this uh, religious metal band for today and nice. we saw um like all these sort of like <laughs> it, it was at this venue called rpmp um which was run by uh my friend jack who is like uh we've been close for like on and off for the last decade uh-huh. um and so he was running that venue and so i kind of like crossed paths with him at some point and then that's sort of when things sort of started to take off um like i think i was like 15 and started to get interested in like the whole diy thing and throwing your own shows Mm -hmm. um so that was kind of like when it started because it switched from like hey, I'm going to see these shitty metal bands with my sister to like, oh, hey, um, the Reptilian and Native are playing RPMP next weekend. And I I think I'd rather go to that or I should probably go to that show too, you know? So Uh like, um, so that's when like, once I started to see those bands and then I, I, my musical interest started to gravitate towards like sort of that, uh, variety, I guess, of of punk and like indie music. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, did Did you? At what point did you start a band? I started. I started a band. So I was in like a in like a talent show only band when I was like thirteen. <laughs> nice. Uh, and so like, but it was just like you know covers and like. But like that was the that was the first band where I was like we you know we practiced right yeah um, and like but it wasn't and we we started to like try to write stuff but we weren't quite there yet and then the first the first band band that I was in uh, was called Save It for a Rainy Day uh, and. I was like, you know, I mean, no one even like this is this is so far back to like, you know, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. think there I don't think there are recordings of this anywhere, you know, like, uh-huh. like God, I hope not. Um, 
and like that was with a group of like five of us and like our parents or, or someone's parent lit honestly had to drive us to shows um nice i was in that style too that uh that, that kind of lifestyle yeah exactly which like i think you know uh it's kind of wild to think about and I, it's hard and it's also hard to have any perspective on like whether or if any of the shows we played were um you know meaningful or whatever uh and i mean we never made we made basically zero progress i think we released a few demos digitally and then like you know we played with some bands that went on to be successful but you know just sort of uh by happenstance you know not necessarily because we were really making it happen sure yeah yeah (laughs) um but yeah i mean but it was it was fun uh and I think it, I think it lasted for, I don't know, like six months to a year, maybe. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, and then once people were able to like drive, it was like that band kind of slowed down, and like our bassist got really into golf, and our drummer got really into like swimming, and then what were these posers, uh, dude? Yeah, and then three of us, uh, like three of us, ended up all like starting other bands um and doing other and and most of those were like you know the, the that group of us kind of stuck it out and played shows um together for the next like three or four years wow so just kind of like um so you're just like getting your feet wet and like experimenting with these different bands and lineups and sounds or what what's the trajectory from here to Oliver? Yeah, so I mean the trajectory is is uh, is funny. So like so like I said, I was in I was in that early band with a handful of people. Uh, two of the people that were in that band uh, that they both played um, guitar. One was Michael Gerstein, and the other was Nick Stitzman. Uh, uh, I don't know if you know either of those people, but I know the Nick we Stutzman name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so, like those, uh, basically, like we stopped doing that band, and then, um, and started doing uh, this other thing in Nick's basement with uh, Jack, who I mentioned earlier, who was like running this venue in South Bend with his dad called RPMP in the, in the basement of a church next to his house. And, uh, and he would drive up from South Bend with his friend, Dwayne, who was playing drums and who was at the time, I think was learning drums, like was learning drums to, to like play in the band, Uh but was, uh, and ended up being a, like a real solid drummer. Um, but, uh, yeah, Nick and Nick and I were basically like able to show up in Sturgis, and then Jack and Dwayne would drive up, and I was playing bass. Um, and yeah, that band was uh, Merchant Ships, and so I was only in that band for the first few months. So I like wrote the bass parts for the very, very first EP. I was going to say, why Um, didn't I know that you were in that band? But yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I I was, I was barely in that band. Um, I played, I think I played one show. Um, Mm -hmm. I played one show with, 
merchant ships with the reptilian mm. uh, in Kalamazoo. And uh, my parents were like, were really strict. And uh, at the time I was, I was, I had just turned 16. Uh, Jack and Dwayne were a couple of years. Well, I don't know if they were a couple of years older or if, they, or if they were just like their parents just didn't give a shit. But um, they were like pushing, trying to play shows, you know, every weekend, every other weekend, trying to like be active. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my parents just like, we're not having it. And uh, so that's what it was. I mean, it's really silly to think about now, but like I quit pretty quickly where it was just like, hey, y'all are doing this. Um, I can't play that often. So, yeah. Um, so that's when Michael who played in the band joined and like took my spot. And then, I mean, that's the basest of merchant ships. Sure. Michael was the, was the basest of merchant ships. Do you feel um, like you missed out or at the time? Did you feel like you were missing out? Uh, definitely. I mean, at the time I was like, I was super sad about it. I mean, I, but you know, like they were trying to like tour the East coast and stuff and they ended up doing that. Right. But like, yeah. Uh, of course, as a 16 year old, like that's a hundred percent what I wanted to do, but like, I, I didn't really have any like option because I just wasn't allowed to, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. It, again, it's sort of like, it's, uh, it's sort of wild to think about how young we still were at that point. Like, yeah, I for mean, real. um, but yeah, I mean, like, of course there's, there's part of me that, that definitely wanted to, to do it. I mean, looking back now, I'm like, look, like that's the way it happened. That's fine. Like. Um, you know, there's no, there's like no way I could have changed it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I just felt bad because everyone really, like we all really wanted to do it and I just couldn't, um, right. but there's no part of me, like as an adult that looks back on it and sort of sees it as a missed opportunity, right. you know, like yeah, I'm, no still, I'm still there. friends with, no, 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 no. Like I'm still like friends with all those people and, uh, and yeah, I mean like we just all started different bands and we, we ended up in like wildly different places anyway. So, uh, plus like the four of them had a very, like, you know, they had it sort of figured out for what they were trying to do. And they like, for the thing they were trying to do, they did it mm-hmm. perfectly well. So like, um, so yeah, that like, so when I had to give that up, then I started a side project called the exploration, which was something that like I could do that was mostly about, uh, just playing math rock and, and recording math rock songs by myself. Uh, Uh, and then played like played a handful of shows, um, during that period. So like I could still, occasionally I would still end up at a show, right? Like, uh, or I, I mean, I still ended up playing with, with them a lot. Uh, it was just like, I played as this other band and I maybe played, you know, one fifth of the shows that they yeah, did. <laughs> right. Um, so, so that was like kind of what, how that happened. And like, we played, we played some, some really wild shows. Cause this was also around the time when, um, when Brave Bird was happening. Yes. Um, or I guess a little later into it. Right. Like, um, and this was also when, uh, the band Grown Ups. um, was playing and this band Castavet from Chicago. Damn. And then Cast Native. Native Classic. Yeah, yeah. And then Native was also playing at this time in South Bend. 
and then you had the reptilian as a four piece in Kalamazoo. And then like we played shows uh, with a lot of speed. I mean, like a lot of speed was playing with native a lot. They were, they did like a run together, yeah. which is like hysterical to think about now. But I you remember know, that two, though. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Those two bands were, were, um, were in the Oh nine vernacular were bro bands for, <laughs> for a while. Right. Like, yeah. Um, so that period of time was like, you know, no one ever, I mean, no one ever really cared about my project at the time. Uh, and, uh, I was, you know, almost always like just opening for, uh, or like starting the night for like a five band bill or something, but sure. there were definitely some, um, some wild shows and like some wild bands that we got to play with, um, during that time, just because there was so much going on. I mean, like this screamo band, um, age 16 came up and played like Nick's, a uh, Nick's garage. And that was like all of these bands that you would sort of see, uh, on like old, old, like, uh, blog spots and like, um, and different music blogs where you could just like go rip a discography for, you know, <laughs> the, like the over media, dial up media fire links. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like that was that was this like that was this period of time. Uh -huh. um, so like two thousand so, two thousand like eight to twenty eleven or something like that. Yeah, no, that's like that's like my high school years. Like that's that's when this was going on for sure. Uh -huh. um, so basically, like you know, all of that sort of ran its course, and I moved to Grand Rapids to go to college and. Um, uh, I guess I should also mention that during that period, uh, merchant ships broke up and, uh, Midwest pen pals started, which yeah. was like, you know, a six month long or however long, like, uh, offshoot of, of merchant ships basically. But that's important because I met Garrett through that band like Garrett I don't know how Jack and Garrett ended up meeting actually but like um they were sort of like started that band um with Nick and I feel down on bass for a couple shows with them but then like I mean they, they never had a bassist in the band it was just the three of them oh interesting um, yeah so that's like I mean it was like I I I don't remember how I met how Garrett like ended up a part of that. But, um, basically like Garrett, the drummer yeah, of Oliver Houston. Yeah, right. Exactly. So like, I just remember we were playing this, um, this house show or the exploration was going to play this house show with Nick and Jack's new band and they had this new drummer. And so we ended up in Jack's, uh, like laundry room one afternoon and, uh, there was Garrett, like, you know, setting up his drums and they were, you know, rehearsing for that night or whatever. So like, um, yeah, I mean like that, that's just important to mention for that sure. reason, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely. Um, so then, yeah, like through that, I think Garrett ended up like playing some shows with the exploration. And then once, once I moved to Grand Rapids in 2011, Garrett was also in Grand Rapids. So we played a few shows there as the exploration. We wrote like a little EP that felt a little more like, um, fully like 
uh, fleshed out as opposed to the stuff I had done by myself. And then we released that on um, vinyl and we like played a few shows here and there. Um, but it was this weird thing where like we were kind of doing it because somewhere in between when I released that music early on in, into high school and getting to college, like it became, it sort of like collected enough, accumulated enough internet dust that like there were all of a sudden there were people that cared about it, which was hmm. weird for me because, you know, all through when I was actively writing for it and, and doing that music, like, it was just never a thing. I was never a draw for a show. Like no one came out to the shows to see me. Um, like that just wasn't a thing. But then all of a sudden there was like this sort of international, like w weird cult following of people who, that are like into this, what I kind of think is like awful music now, but it, I still think it's like, you know, flattering that there are people that care. Uh, but I mean, that was kind of the impetus. It was like, well, I don't really like this music that much. I'm not especially proud to play it, but like, it seems like people are paying attention now. So like, to, you know, to whatever extent they are, um, let's go ahead and try it. Um, so we, we were practicing pretty regularly in Grand Rapids. We went on a tour. Um, our first tour, or like my first tour, uh, was, wasn't until college. It was like 2013. And uh, we did a loop up through Canada and down the East coast and then pack up through the Midwest. Um, so that was my first tour. Uh, and then like, even, I mean, even before we had left for that one though, Garrett and I started stuff for Oliver and we, I mean, before we had even left, we kind of had this, like, honestly, like, you know, unless this is amazing and we just really like fall back in love with this sort of music and like really technical math rock. Um, you know, we should just, we should just can, um, the exploration, like as soon as we get home and start working, like, you know, more full time on, uh, writing for Oliver mm -hmm. and trying to push that. And so that's exactly what happened. Like we had a, it was a really fun tour and, uh, un like unusually successful for the fact that we had never toured before. Uh -huh. um, and then we got back and we we're like, let's just start like an actual band because, uh, and, and like, let's write this sort of music because that's the sort of thing that we're excited about right now. Right. Yeah. That's such um, an interesting time. I mean, like that was like the perfect time to start a math rock or emo band you know, in between like 2008 to 2012 or something like that. And like, you could really just put something on a blog spot or some, mm -hmm. some music blog niche music blog would like put you on their blog spot and suddenly you got people listening to it. Um, so yeah, that was a really like super, that was like the golden era for that type of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And it felt also like, you know, the whole thing kind of felt like, curated in this really interesting way too where like now like everything is is super precise and like associations between different songs and artists are are made sort of based on really exact uh, matches mm -hmm. you know in terms of like um genre and style and all these things um 
I mean, it's, it's algorithmic, right? Like it's, yeah. it's that, it's like, it's really is that um, precise. Whereas like an automatic, whereas that was like really exciting because you could just go to, you know, you could just go to these blogs and truly just like, you know, just based on the picture or like based on like, you know, how they folded their like first EP sleeve or whatever, you know, like um, there'd be pictures of them and like, you could just download entire discographies. And I remember I would just like load up on stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It felt you like, know, like, yeah, it felt like, like discovering like treasure, you know? Yeah, no, totally. And, it, and it, and what was also interesting is that there was like, um, it wasn't like you just listened. You didn't, I mean, it was also before streaming, which is also wild. That like, you yeah. didn't like, you didn't just like play the songs to see if you liked them. Like you just, it was just like, all right, this band's from this place. They are supposed to sound like these bands. So I'll, I'll just download, you know, like eight of their EPs. And then, um, and then later on you would like come back to it. Right. Because you just like, yeah, gather a bunch of, uh, material and then like, you know, work through it over the next few weeks. Um, which was an interesting way of like, now now there's not that sort of like loose association but you know you could find a lot of different bands that maybe you wouldn't associate now or wouldn't be associated based on those sort of like precise metrics but we're sort of associated in these other ways more loosely where like you could find screamo bands but also find like weird folk americana bands uh post rock yeah, like yeah no that was super big then too like all of but and they all kind of like fit together there was this um one of the like weirdest shows was um i can't remember who but there, there was this band two hand fools for a while i think they might still be like relatively active but they were from some they were like from down south somehow but they did like this weird like folk punk stuff is like i never ever would have like sought it out um mm. and it's n- certainly not something that would like get recommended now but they were also it felt like they belonged in that space weirdly which was yeah that sort of thing i feel like definitely happens last now where was the like grand rapids scene like then compared to when you left uh you know i don't know i mean like so so um, when we started playing shows more regularly there, like the beginning of college, everything revolved around like, uh, everything revolved around either playing at, uh, the DAC, which was the division, um, Avenue arts collective, mm-hmm. which is like a, um, a 10 year long, like space. Um, and it was all volunteer run, uh, on division Avenue in Grand Rapids. And then there were, there were a few, I think there were like a couple house venues that were pretty, um, oh yeah, I mean, there definitely were. There were, um, there was the Waffle House and then the House of Pancakes, which were on uh, Sigsby uh, in Grand Rapids. And it was just two houses that were like just a bunch of punk kids living together side by side. And wow. so, um and I think they were active at like different times, but then like, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I wasn't super involved there, but there were lots of shows going on there and we played, um, 
we played some of our our shows there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was kind of like that was sort of like the extent of it um, from my perspective. Just like a couple houses, uh, and then the DAC, which the DAC shut down in twenty thirteen, um, mm-hmm. and you know everyone was like music you know music's over in grand rapids whatever like people are still like i was just talking about this like um earlier today actually like people are still really bent out of shape about it and it's like yeah. it's almost been closed now for as long as it was open um like uh and, and like the people who are looking after it and and sort of like spearheading the the campaign to like bring it back are like you know we're sort of loosely involved um during the period when it was very active, active you know, and, and most of the people who were in and sort of like fostered and, and ran that space are, have like moved on in such significant ways that like, um, you know, of course, like in all, in all ages space would be great to have Grand Rapids, obviously, but yeah. like, um, you know, it's, it's just like, that was definitely a part of things shifting. Uh, and, and eventually like, I think, for towards the end for us, you know, we were playing, um, mostly we, I mean, we were playing like houses Mm -hmm. still. And then, and and there were a lot more house venues. Like, I feel like after the deck closed, there were just like, I mean, I feel like there were tons of house venues and there was just a slow churn of like houses as college kids sort of worked through their, leases (laughs) leases <laughs> yeah yeah um and then uh and then there was a venue called the upper room for a couple of years mm-hmm. on division uh and then there was also like we also you know were able to play some bigger like we were able to play pyramid scheme a handful of times which was like a 400 cat room and right. um got into some of that stuff which like i think back when we started was just like kind of out of the question yeah yeah, back right. then, you know, when you're starting at that time, it's like playing a bar venue where touring bands play. Like, what? That's not us. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And I think for us, too, it was like we were – we had a challenging time when it did close because, um, you know, we were sort of committed to playing all-ages spaces mm. as much as possible and – there were like different feelings uh, among the band about like playing bars and if we wanted to become a, a band that could, would just play 21 plus shows and that, you know, like I, I don't think anyone was really super into that idea. Yeah. And so we had to be kind of, uh, we were always trying to be, you know, thoughtful of those sorts of things um, while we book shows, but you know, um, options are also like, not always awesome so yeah yeah so how did dork ages come about um where was it recorded and uh can you talk about that uh that album a little bit yeah um so that was kind of like some of those songs we had started working on uh before we left for the exploration uh, exploration tour we were just talking about and uh I, that was a bit of a, like that EP worked very differently than, than the rest of the releases we, uh, ended up doing. And like, 
Uh, was that the first Oliver Houston release, Dark Ages? Dork Ages? You know, actually, actually, it wasn't. Or I mean, it was the first formal release. Uh, I forgot to mention that you know back when Midwest Pen Pals was happening, and like I guess towards the end of high school, um, Garrett and I st- kind of like started this side project, um, and uh, he was. It was just a two piece, and so he was on drums, and I was on guitar, and we wrote like a few songs, you mm-hmm. know, and like he. Uh, he demoed the drums at his dad's church. He sent me the drums. I played guitar over it. Excuse me. We played like uh, we played like one or two shows, and so this would have been like 2010, 2011. And uh, we, I mean, we were both just like super into Algernon Cadwallader at the time. Uh-huh. And Garrett had seen them uh, in Grand Rapids, and. Yeah, I mean, like that was that was like the music we were super into at the time. So we were writing just to sort of like emulate that, and and then like you know I'm I uh, left for college and like we did the exploration thing that sort of thing. But so we actually it was it was when it started it was sort of this idea that we would be circling back to that name and some of the like some of the thematic and like genre specific influences um uh so that was like we did put out like two songs uh on Bandcamp, and we had like all the social media stuff for oliver houston from dating back to like 2010 and then we just kind of like picked it back up um because we were already like comfortable with the name and we, we had already like lived with the name for a while so it was like cool let's just do that um so yeah the the Dork Ages EP, Garrett and I were um, living in an apartment together in uh, East Town in Grand Rapids. And I, I basically had, like, a, as part of my last year of college, I had um, this gap between, um, between December, like, between semesters where, like, my entire month of January was just like, I had like a, a sport, like I had to take like a PE course or something to graduate for some reason. Mm. And so I was in this weird, weird ass, like hour of volleyball at three days a week <laughs> with my friends, like a, a serious volley, volleyball course. Wow. And, uh, and then I, I would go play volleyball and then I would, I would come home and I would just like every other day that I wasn't in volleyball or any time I wasn't, in I was just sitting in my bedroom uh, writing parts for, for that EP. And so I, I like wrote all those songs sort of in a vacuum and, and then I would just like show them to Garrett. And I actually recorded them. I recorded all of that to a click and then basically gave the tracks to Garrett and we set up the, we mic'd everything in our living room on the second floor of this, apartment that rocks <laughs> and and uh and like re- and gary just recorded the drums over everything with like i think we had like three or four mics uh the bass mic was like laying on a blanket on the ground and, oh man like, i love it yeah so so that's how that release happened and then like we just wanted to like originally we were just going to release it on cassette and then 
so we did that and we did like a run of like a hundred by ourselves. Um, and then, you know, eventually we were able to release it on vinyl and, um, and I think it's like, was I that, like, was, I don't, was that with broken world? So, yeah, it was like this weird thing where, uh, I can't believe it actually happened because like we wanted to release it on vinyl and at, at one point we had made enough money where like we could have probably done it ourselves. Um, and then like we pitched it to a few different labels and we sent it to broken world, which at the time was, um, at the time was like, you know, was a really cool label. Um, and they had like Island of Misfit Toys, which was this, you know, big, big Chicago band, um, like nine, I don't remember how many people were in that band. Yeah. But, physically um, big. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, they, they had like, uh, interesting, uh, bands. And so we, I mean, we pitched it to them and like, they were kind of like, eh, maybe eventually now. And I was like, honestly, we can wait. Like we put it on a set. If you want to put it out later, it's not that big of a deal. So they slated it like way out. And it was to the point where I think the last time we reached out to them about it, it was just like, I was so sure it wasn't happening. I just wanted them to tell us it wasn't happening so we could like figure out a different way to do it. And then they were like, okay, I just put the order in. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Uh, That's it's yeah. funny. Cause you know, multiple bands have that experience with them at the time. And what was run by like a past member of the world is or something. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't know them that well. Like we had met like before, I think. And like, you know, I, I don't even know if they remembered it. Like it was a very like loose connection, which also sort of amplified the sense that I don't know if this is ever really going to happen. Um, yeah. Did they like, did, did they get like major label money at some point? Broken world? I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea. Like, I don't know anything about the internals of that label. Uh, I swear I, th- I heard somebody tell me that, but I can't remember. I would, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, who, who knows? Um, who knows what happened there exactly? But I, I was stoked because one of the other cool things about it, too, that I'm just now remembering was that we were able to uh, co-release it. Um, and so uh, our friend Billy in Boston, who had booked, uh, I don't even remember exactly how we got in touch with Billy, but he booked, um, he booked our show in Boston on the first exploration tour. And he ran a little label out of his bedroom called too far gone. Mm. And so when we put out the exploration seven inch, he like, uh, helped us with that and, and released it for us. And that was like our first final release and his first final release. And so when um, Broken World was like, hey, do you want to release this with someone else? Like we could do a co-release. Um, we were like, yeah, let's release it with Billy. Uh, and so, you know, Billy, like uh, his label Too Far Gone also like supported that as well. So it was, it was a split release, I guess, technically. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. So it comes out. You're able to get a vinyl of it pressed. Uh, mm-hmm. You guys touring during this time, just playing a bunch of shows. When does whatever works start 
forming for you? Yeah, so we so we started to because Garrett and I did Door Cages sort of by ourselves. I mean, I played bass on that record. There was no one else in the band at that time, and we were really proud of the songs, and we wanted to start playing more shows, and we had enough songs to play. We had those four songs, and then like a fifth one that we never released. Um, and so we obviously realized we weren't going to be able to do it right as a two piece. And we like practiced a little bit that way. This is just like, we just want to be in like a real actual band. Um, so then we started having conversations about like who in town could play. And there was this band running shoes, uh, that was really big in Grand Rapids at the time. And, uh, and their front person, Matt McHugh, uh, played bass in that band and sang in that band. And he and Garrett were like closer than I, like Garrett knew Matt far better than I did at the time. Mm -hmm. I feel like Matt and I sort of knew of each other, but had never really like hung out, but Garrett and Matt had hung out before. Uh, and so yeah, at some point we asked, we asked Matt if he wanted to be in the band. And so then, then yeah, and, and then we started like practicing the three of us um, and teaching Matt the songs and that sort of stuff. And then we also met um, this guy, Caleb, through another friend. Um, and his name's Caleb Jorgensen. And he was like a real, he was a super good guitarist had no interest in sort of like the music we were playing. Like he was, I feel like he was super into like Tame and Paula at the time. And uh, like, <laughs> he was into sort of like, I don't, I don't know what sort of music he was into exactly, but like, it wasn't he was Midwest into more sort of like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he was like, he was sort of like standing in and was like, he was playing all, all the shows with us for like, honestly, almost a year. Um, cause we started to play shows regionally pretty frequently. And, um, and he was great. Like we, we had a blast playing with him and it was great to have him around, but he was just like, not, uh, he wasn't interested when it came time to start writing. He was kind of like, like we can write, I can write parts for this, but like, I'm not, I'm not especially, especially interested in like, writing this i'd rather write in like standard and and so that like that's kind of like how things i guess progress like we had that group and and then at some point we had a conversation with caleb where it was like hey like if you don't really want to do this sort of music like do you care if we find someone else who does and he was super chill and was like no like that's totally fine and um and so then we started fig trying to figure out like who else we would have in the band and we were we were a little ways into writing i mean a very small ways into writing for whatever works at this point um as in like probably a couple like half finished songs mm. uh and we that's when we met terry um and i think that's around the time that you and i met um because we played uh, we, we played a, a show in East Lansing. Uh, but yeah, no, that is a hundred percent when we met because we played a, a show in, uh, East Lansing and Caleb was with us 
And I think it got shut down. It was like us, American Dirt Bike, and Dowsing. Oh, I man. Ah, oh, this memory is not... <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I shouldn't. I feel like I should remember this if I was there, but I'm not sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know for sure if you were there or not, but yeah. Uh, and it was, oh, and it was a, um, yeah. Anyway, that's that's for sure <laughs> yeah. when that's for sure when we met Terry. Uh-huh. I, I know that like, I mean, I, I for sure met you through Terry. Yeah, um, yeah. It was some time around then, yeah. Yeah, and so he booked that. Sh- I'm pretty sure he booked that show. And I don't know how. I think Garrett. Garrett and he knew each other um, back from when he was in Brave Bird. And, and like, that's how we got that show. Like, I'm pretty sure Garrett booked that show. And we played it and we, like, hung out afterwards. And everyone was like, yeah, Terry's super cool. We, like, hung out on the porch before the show. And um, and then I don't know how, how it worked out, but he, like, I guess he, we let him know that we were looking for someone else. And he drove across you know, like drove from the east side of the state to Grand Rapids one weekend and, you know, and we played and like, it was, I mean, he was a very good guitarist, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. And, um, and so everyone was just like immediately like, yeah, this is great. Um, and yeah, so that's when we started like really, like we really started writing then. And so he was like kind of, driving back and forth quite a bit and we would like he, he would come out for a show and he learned you know he learned all the old parts and stuff and he would like drive off our show and we would like you know use all of our door money to like not all of our but we, we usually tried to like get him gas money but it was like inconvenient for him you know he was like driving back and forth and that yeah. sort of stuff mm-hmm. um and but yeah that's when we started writing um, pretty regularly did you guys, for the full length. Did you guys write together, or was it like a Dork Gages situation where you were writing the songs and bringing them in? It was totally different. So after after people joined, everyone was, you know, I think theoretically as much as we could be um, committed to like a, demo, a very democratic writing process. None of, like, I had never been in that sort of situation. I'd always like written everything that I've been a part of like pretty meticulously, at least the guitars myself. Mm-hmm. And, but part of the like allure of being in a, in a full band was like, wait, everyone can like, everyone can, everyone can write. And also it was at that time, like with the four of us, Matt, Garrett, myself and Terry, like it was a, it was a band of four songwriters. Like all four of those people are, were like very capable of, of writing a song front to back themselves, you know, sure. which was also something that was like brand new to me. Like, um, like, so, you know, I don't know in practice, it for sure was not fully democratic, but in, in theory, like that's for sure what we were all trying to like shoot for. Um, and like, you know, we did as like as good of a job, I, I think as like could have, uh, and yeah i mean that's super hard to balance that kind of um you know lineup totally and it's also like slow and i think that's where like um that was the hardest part was that it was like um it was super slow because we didn't do i think looking back i wish we had worked out a system or like a better a better way for everyone to write their own songs 
like kind of front to back and then bring them to the band and let let the other three people sort of like produce the song mm-hmm. um you know like or like work with one other person primarily on the song and then like everyone jumps in and like um because a lot of good ideas and a lot of good songs just got shelved or sidelined because you know we weren't all there when it started right um hmm. which was you know which was i think like ultimately the record ended up being better for it because by the time we got to the studio to record like all the parts were like i mean front to back the parts were were very worked out at that point everyone knew their shit and like we it was like to the point where like we played i mean the lyrics weren't done but like the um the melodies were there all the guitars all the drums all the bass and so it's to the point where we could play it instrumental front to back and we did before we went in um and you know so it it was like it was very worked out um and so so that was the plus like that was the big benefit of doing things the way we did the downside is that like i think we could have been more prolific if we had like uh done a better job of just like I don't know, like not, not editing each other so much. And it was just because like everyone in that band could pretty much play everything except for like, I couldn't play drums, but I think everyone else in that band could like hold their own at every instrument. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so like everyone was super involved in each other's parts. Were you happy with how it came out? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like I, I, yeah. Definitely. Like I, it was the first, it was the first release or like the first thing of music that I've done that like, uh, years later, I like, I don't look back on and just kind of like cringe, Yeah, you know, like it's been, I mean, I don't remember when that came out, I guess 20, was it like 2016? Beginning of of 2017, according to Bandcamp. Right. Yeah. So that was like, yeah. So that was, over three years ago and like i still think i mean there are definitely a few things i would change here and there and like um you and mostly around like my vocal takes but like lyrically i think it's pretty i think it's still pretty solid i think the like the design of it and the songwriting and everything is like yeah, I think yeah, I agree. It's definitely the the coolest thing that I feel like I've been a part of. You know what I mean? Um, and it's yeah, it's just because we were all sort of like freaks about it in our own way, and yeah. like <laughs> that was our first like for Garrett and and I and I think Matt. That was like our first full length, and so it was like it was we were pretty precious about it, you know, in terms of like getting it right. Yeah, well, it shows. Um, so what led to the breakup then? Because you guys kind of broke up not long after that came out, right? Or I can't remember when you guys split. Oh, it was a little while. So we, because we, that came out and we toured. I think we toured, we did like three, three or four like full tours after, I think it must, it must have been three um, tours after that was released. So we did the East Coast, I think, twice. Uh, and then we did South by, was our, our last tour was South by Southwest in 20, I guess it would have been 2018. Mm. Yeah, I think that's right. 
Yeah, that's right. So our first, our, our last tour was March of 2018. And, um, yeah, we started working on like more songs, like as soon as, as soon as whatever works was, um, was done and toured a lot. And then, yeah, I guess like we did the tour. I was, I was starting to get a little tuckered out on music. Uh Uh, and we, and I was also, um, I think more, more relevantly, I was like tired of living in Michigan. Like I, I lived in Michigan my whole life until I was 27. And so, um, when we got back from, uh, South by in 2018, we had another, we were working on, um, mixed reviews at the time. And so we did the bass and the, the bass and the drums for that were practically live track, um, at, uh, Oh, I don't remember the studio name, but it was at, uh, at our friend Rick's studio in, in Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Cold War Studios is what it's called. Um, and yeah, and then we, you know, I basically like had decided that I, I wanted to move out of Grand Rapids. And so we had a conversation about, you know, like, hey, uh, I need to like go try something else for a while. And like, um, and that was kind of it, which the bummer is that like, um, Terry, right when Whatever Works was released, Terry moved back to Detroit. And like, oh, yeah. he didn't, yeah, so he didn't want to do the band anymore. So we, we kind of like had this big thing where like we released, um, we released Whatever Works, but, but then like, uh, you know, there was no, we didn't tour on it right away. Terry was, you know, didn't want to be in the band. And, uh, so that was sort of like this weird false start. And then we kind of had a, I felt bad because we kind of had a second one where like we were getting ready to release this EP and we were working on it. And, you know, we had mostly wrapped up the recording and then I was like, Hey, like I, I'm going to move to New York. <laughs> and I like, uh, it just like Matt made the comment. Um, when we, when we had that conversation that like, I, I'll have a hard time forgetting where you're just like, damn, like every time we get ready to, to release music like someone leaves <laughs> this sucks um but it was kind of a weird thing where like we knew that we couldn't really do it anymore but i also uh i told them like if they wanted to keep going that they could but it was this weird it, i mean and i think for a while they were kicking it around like um so uh jimmy sullivan um uh joined the band after after Terry left and played and played guitar and like wrote all the guitar parts on the, the last EP we put out, which oh, was did he? reviews. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But not a lot of, I feel like not a lot of people, I feel like there are definitely some people that don't even know that that EP exists. So it was like, we broke up and we released an EP that was like, yeah. all right, we're done. I Here's the it, last of our music. I thought it was like demos and B sides or something. Yeah. It kind of sounds like it, you know, it's like, it's, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just like, it's like we were going to release that. And then we were, we had started working on a few other songs. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were, we were kind of trying to decide whether we wanted to release something or we wanted to do like 
just write a few more songs and try to make it a full length. But, um, but yeah, that's, I will so say, that's like kind of how things wrapped, I guess. I will say like, I think mixed reviews has some of your guys' best songs as well. Cause that's yeah, why I, 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 I was surprised. I was like, is this like songs that didn't make, the last album why are these like better (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean like those songs were definitely like uh they were similarly collaborative where like and we have this weird dynamic in oliver where like um where like garrett and i were very push and pull and then matt was like uh matt was usually like not indifferent but he he was usually positive anything you know he was positive about whatever part so he would weigh in but um but he was like happy to take a song in any direction and so what happened is like i feel like a lot of the time a part that that i would write might end up like sort of getting caught in between garrett and i whereas like we're trying to work out the details of it whereas like the second guitarist ended up always operating and this weird foil of like dissolving that tension and like so um i feel like the second guitarist actually always was was super instrumental in like making progress and like moving the songs forward and like giving us a a starting point Mm -hmm. um because they were sort of this like third party for us or like some like they broke it up enough that like we were able to focus on this other thing and it wasn't about the figuring out the details like analytically of this part, which I think like is the way that Garrett and I are, like break down a song. Whereas like, and I think can be really, uh, pains, like super painstaking. And it can be really, uh, like just challenging environment or like, it's just a bizarre environment for people to write in if they're not used to it. Yeah. Um, and so like during whatever works, like, I mean, the guitar work on that it was definitely a shared effort, but like where the guitar, like where we needed it most in terms of the songwriting and the, and the guitar parts, like Terry, you know, carried, Terry carried the guitar work on that record for sure. And then like, I think the same is true in, in other ways about, um, about mixed reviews that like, and I think that they sound a little, they both kind of sound a little more like that, like those people too which is interesting like, yeah that's very um, interesting yeah i noted that mixed reviews is like um poppier because like you've always had a good ear for like h- hooks or like vocal melodies and it's something that's kind of unique for the genre i think like you guys in particular are very kind of catchy um and mixed yeah, reviews try e- to be <laughs> mixed reviews is even more like you know it's like very close to just being like a pop song like a pop rock song was that intentional yeah. or like did jimmy help with that or like what what was oh and also the last song was like a country song what's up with that (laughs) how did that happen yeah (laughs) yeah so like i so the the i think jimmy definitely probably played a role in that like um just because his his songwriting tends more towards like a pop structure and i think when we were writing whatever works, like there was no, there was typically no structure. Like, um, and like there was, it, it was hard to tell if you were in a verse or a chorus or like what was going on. And that was deliberate. And then I think by the time we got to 
um, some mixed reviews. We were, we had all kind of shifted, like, you know, look, there's a place for repetition and, um, and it's just like any other tool. And, you know, we still, I think used it sparingly, but Mm -hmm. the structure of the songs just ended up tending more towards like a traditional, uh, pop song structure, at least to the extent where like, you know, it wasn't totally un like it wasn't totally unintelligible where you were at in a song when right. you were listening to it the first time. Um, so that was definitely like I think that was definitely Jamie's influence, but also like a change in the way we were all thinking about songs. Mm-hmm. And I think that my goal was always like I always when I write melodies, my goal is always to try to find on the like the most like sticky uh catchy thing that i can like I, like i always write the lyrics and the and the melodies last mm-hmm. and it's just like uh that that was always the thing that i like sort of obsessed over probably the most and then i think when jimmy joined he brought a lot of guitar to mixed reviews garrett wrote like a good portion of the guitar parts on mixed reviews like he wrote um yeah like the the opening lick on waste like that's that was essentially like garrett's part you know like um just tweaked a little bit but like that that song started just as garrett being like i have this beat idea i have this guitar it's not like part that goes with it we need to do it and so i think like by the time we reached that release i was i was trying to be more uh welcoming of like you know like using those sorts of like leveraging the fact that we were still a band of four songwriters Mm -hmm. and so i think because of that like i the thing that i focused on most on that entire release was like the melodies and like trying to nail those and um and some of the songs just ended up like a lot simpler too you know, like, um, I mean, they were always still like a little complicated, but there were songs that were on that EP that like, I don't think we would have felt comfortable releasing earlier just because they sound like us, but they also sound like a little different or they were like up, just a little bit more of a stretch. Yeah. From a, like, yeah. A definitely. Genre perspective. That def- I definitely, they would have been out of place on whatever works. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, do you see yourself like ever coming back to, well, do you think Oliver Houston will ever come back or, and if not, do you ever see yourself coming back in general to, um, music and releasing songs? And if you do, what kind of music would you write? Yeah. So I, so I, to answer the first question, I don't know what, like, I don't know. I don't know if, Oliver could like would come back. I mean, I think I, I just don't know if it, if it would ever make sense. Um, but I like, um, I would certainly be like, I think I could certainly be off for like some one-off shows with 20, like, like, I think, I think I could see us coming back for some like ridiculous reason of like 2035 oh, hey. Coachella. Yeah, exactly. Like, like if we got asked to play something, you know, that's too good to pass up, uh, you know, I, I, as one fourth of the, of the thing would be open, you know, would be happy to like come back for some sort of absurd reason. Opening for I the think, 1975. It, yeah, there we go. Like <laughs> opening for the 1975, 
Phoebe Bridgers in tow. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'll be, I'd be there for that. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, you know, short of that happening, I think like, it's challenging to think about like it being a thing as like a full fledged, uh, fully active project again. Like I, I, I have a hard time imagining like that happening just because we're all in like, I mean, you know, I live across the country now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, three, three quarters of us are like married, no, like no kids, but like, you know, it's just like, it's different. You don't, you like, I don't really want to leave for weeks at a time anymore. Yeah. Like I just, I'm not, um, like the allure of that has worn off completely. Mm-hmm. And unless it was my, the only way that I could sort of make ends meet, or that was the way I was making ends meet. I really don't have any reason to like, um, pursue that, you know? And like, I think at least, at least not to the extent that I would feel like we would need to, you know, to, to make it like a a worthwhile thing. I think like your second question is kind of like, is definitely part of the plan. I think I'm trying to, trying to figure out now actually like wh- like where i fit into that world and like to what extent that world is still a part of who i am and like to what extent it's not anymore and uh you know i think that i think that there i will definitely release more music like um and i definitely have like i have songs in the tank right now like i've been um, I started writing actively again last winter and like, I've, I've got 15 to 20 ideas sort of like in the voice memos ready to fire off. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, but it's just like, it's just waiting for, you know, the stars to align for myself to have the energy to do it. Sure. Uh, you know, that sort of stuff. And also just practically that like, um, I had like sort of all the gear I needed to, make really solid demos in my, you know, in my bedroom before we moved. And then when we moved, it was like, I don't know if I'm going to have space for any of this shit. I need, and I also don't have any money and uh-huh. rent's about to be rent's about to quadruple. So I'm going to sell everything. I <laughs> like pretty much everything I've got to, yeah. to make this happen. So it's also a sense of like, you know, slowly rebuilding just from a perspective of gear as well. Like, it just takes time to get back to to where I need to be. But the hope is that once I have what I need to to actually produce and make songs again, that I'll be able like I'll be ahead of the game in terms of like having the material for it and it'll just be a period of like hopefully cranking out, you know, a lot of stuff at once. Yeah, um, that'd be sick. Yeah, so that's the like it, that's the plan. Would it be like emo stuff still, or you got other stuff that's inspiring you? I don't. I think like I don't. I hope it. I hope it wouldn't be categorized. I, I, you know, a lot of the it's it's a weird thing where like a lot of the bands that we got to that Oliver got compared to is like, and part of the reason that I also ultimately decided like i you know it's time for me to move on was just that like the trajectory and the like groups we were associated with like 
I just didn't like, I just didn't like any of that music, you know, mm. like, mm, I liked some of it, you know, and, and there were, there are flavors of it that I, I really like. And there are bands in that world and even bands we were played with that I, I was like, I was genuinely interested and excited about. Right. But, um, it's hard to know sort of like, um, how I'd fit into that or, or, yeah. but I guess I don't have any like control over it. I think it's also hard to, it's hard to imagine a world where what I write doesn't get, um, like lumped in with that type of music because it's literally like, like all I've ever done has been described that way. You know, yeah. whether I, I mean, it's whether your, I've, it's in your DNA to some extent. Right. Even exactly. mine too. Like the, yeah. Yeah. Just growing is. up that and way. Like, yeah, totally. And it's like, I'm going to, even if I'm trying to write a pop song, I'm going to take it from that perspective. And like, I think there's a part of it that's like, you know, um, when we were writing whatever works, we had a bunch of, like, we had conversations how we, we need to pitch it as like punk music or punk band. And that was what we were trying to do for a while. It's just like, it didn't work. Yeah, you know, yeah. no matter what we did, like we were, we were twinkle rockers, no matter how we described ourselves yeah. to people like, and there was no, you know, like, and, and I guess at this point I'm like, I'm less interested in trying to figure out like how to, how to like market myself as I am. And like, I just want to, write songs that sound cool to me and like for sure they're going to be say that they're emo ballads and then like maybe other people will hear you know hear more nuance i hope you know Mm -hmm. because like i don't don't think there's anything wrong with that as an influence or being a part of how i naturally write a song or how we naturally write songs but i think that like for me i just don't want to stop there like i don't want it to i don't want it to just be like a fourth wave twinkle rock band that like showed up and you know, did a bunch of like tapping and then like, that's like, uh, that's not what we were doing. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and like, and, and that's, I won't ever, that's, that's not, I mean, that has its place. It's, it can be super like cathartic and fun way of doing music, but like, that's definitely not what we were trying to do. And definitely like, definitely not what I'll try to do in the future. But um, yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll see, I guess. Damn. Well, I'd be excited. Whatever you got. Um, yeah, thanks. Yeah. My, my, my last question for you is what was it like finding out that the singer from the 1975 put you on his playlist? It that was, must have been surreal. Well, honestly, like I, I only loosely knew of the night. Like this is so like, you know, me living under a rock in 2020, I guess. But like I only halfway knew who that band was. And, and then I like saw a tweet about it. It was like, I can't believe you know, this is like so weird. And yeah. And then I was like, Oh, that band, I've heard of that band. Like where have I heard this band? And they have like 9 million Spotify listeners. And I'm like, (laughs) what the hell is going on? Uh, I mean, it happens though. Like that's, it's weird. Like, I don't know. I don't know how or why like that, uh, that happened. And like, I tried, like I tried to reach out to that guy instagram and like there's just there's just no hope you know yeah. that you're, like you're ever gonna, gonna get, get through. through yeah no way like uh you're just like it's just not gonna happen um but you know i guess it's i guess it's chill i mean like i think it's interesting that like people are still listening to it i think that that's cool and i think it'll be interesting to see you know like i said in the past i the bands i was a part of just 
they weren't at all successful. No one listened to them when they were active. And then once they stopped, it was like everyone was interested or like yeah. the people who did get interested, right? That They didn't get interested until, until it was over. Uh, and so now it'll be interesting now that like Oliver is a, you know, been quiet for a year and a half, like two years um, to see if or how it ages and continue to listen to it. It seems like people are still listening to it now, but you always wonder like how, you know, the internet does weird things to music and does weird things to like popularity where like Oliver was a, um, was the band, like it was most successful. It was like the most successful active thing that I was a part of. Whereas like when we were doing it, we had really supportive like friends and, and a really supportive community and people that were like, that were actually like, you know, driving a few hours to see us, which is like, that had never happened to us, to me at least before. Um, so yeah, I mean like, I guess if the rule holds true, then like Oliver, should, like everyone's going to stop listening to us. And <laughs> <laughs> like now, this shit but uh but yeah i mean like it's cool i think it's like i'm very i'm i'm glad that it's out there and like i think some of my old music i i i try to even avoid associating myself with it because i i'm just like it so much and like it's not available and people can't find it uh-huh. there's definitely a reason for that um and i think like with oliver i i mean i'm only a quarter of of the say in it, but like, I don't, I don't necessarily ever want to do that. I think like, I hope that I'll always be like respectful of the thing that we made. And like, you know, it may not always be like my, it might not be my taste in like a decade from now, but maybe it'll be someone's taste. And Mm -hmm. like, I think it's, it's chill to just like keep it there for those people who are still interested as long as they are, you know? Yeah. That's beautiful, dude. I think yeah, yeah. I think you guys, uh, I, you know, I think the music is sick for you know fans of that style, and I think you know even if you're not a fan of that style, there's something there for uh, people to get into, and uh, you know that was always my favorite type of band growing up. The bands that inspired me were bands that didn't have an audience while they were active, because there's some sort of like raw like commitment to what you do at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I appreciate you guys a lot, and uh, I appreciate you for talking to me. Yeah, yeah, you too. Thanks for doing this. Is there anything germane to the interview or to the to the podcast that we need to address bef- before I can ask you how things are going for you and how your life is? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're good. We're all set on the okay. pod. Cool. Uh, how's life for you, dude? Uh, how did you end up in Philly? I ended up here because um, I met the Strange Ranger guys, you know, just playing shows okay. when they would tour through Michigan, play shows with them, and mm-hmm. uh, kept in touch and was like, yo, you guys should hit me up next time you're in Michigan and we'll chill. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were in Portland before. And right, yeah, yeah. They were like, actually, we're moving to Philly and you should come. And <laughs> I was, like you, very ready to leave Michigan. And right. so uh, it was just like the perfect opportunity, perfect timing. And I'd hit it off with these guys. And it's like, all right, this seems like my chance to get out of here. Right. Right. Damn. Yeah. And it's been oh, great. I like it. 
I love it. I mean, the grass is greener a little bit. I can't, you know, I wish I was in New York City. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But um, there's just no way at this point in my life I'd be able to make it work. So this is great, too, you know. And I'm very yeah. happy with you? I've, I've met a lot of cool people. And Right. Are you, are you, uh, do you come into the city often or no? You've been here a couple times, yeah? Or... Yeah, yeah, once, like, uh, you know, every couple months okay. or so. Yeah, we play up cool. there. We've played up there a handful of times since I've moved here. And, uh, yeah, I love it up there. I've got a bunch of friends right. up there now. And yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'll definitely yeah. hit you up one of these, you know, whenever this thing is over. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, you should. Um, also, we, very weird, but if you ever do decide to move up here, we, like, know enough people now that, like, we might have, you know, tips for you on um, housing and that sort of stuff if you end Ooh, up I'll keep that in ever mind. wanting to make it happen. Like, I have a friend uh, who I was working with who he <laughs> His uncle died, and so he got he got an apartment in Williamsburg. But he's gonna have to rent it out, and he's like talking about renting it out for like eight or nine hundred a month. Whoa! Um, just like one of the bedrooms. Um, so you can definitely like find things that are. I mean, it's it's never gonna be like affordable, but uh-huh. um, yeah, my rent. If you're I ever he- interested, we'll keep you in mind. My rent out here is three eighty. Jeez, and it was it was three sixty five till a couple months ago. Holy shit! Yeah, Phil, I have a friend who moved from here to Philly, um, uh, maybe four or five months ago, and like, yeah, his rent he pays like a quarter in rent what he was paying here. Yeah, and um, I mean, Philly is like has a lot going on, and it's so close to New York that it's really hard to not feel okay. You know, it's hard to f- feel disappointed. Right. No, totally. And I think like, I think from a music perspective, Philly is, is, I mean, if I, if I was just focused on like, I want to music, like sure move to Philly. And that's been, that's been the case for, for, you know, uh, probably the last five or six years. Like if someone asked me like, Hey, you want to make a go of it? Where do you want to go? I think if I had to pick anywhere, it would be Philly. Maybe that's it's maybe the, that's foolish. It's of just, me, I mean, from an economical standpoint, you can't beat it. It's like so conveniently located for touring, and uh, yep. the scene isn't quite what it was even when I first got here. It's not as like uh, popping as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's countless house venues and like shows every other night, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so it's great. Um. Your songs have gotten um, have gotten super catchy. So <laughs> Thanks, I, I know we've been posting stuff on. I haven't like um, like I need to give it a like a proper listen to this, like your latest stuff. But the demos and stuff you've been posting on Instagram or or songs you've been posting on there are just like it's <laughs> it's like like I'll be I'll be honest like the some of like the earlier stuff was like, I think it was, it was like, so it was like so lo-fi that it didn't necessarily make, always make sense to me. But then like some of the last, like the recent stuff I've heard has been like, Oh my God, this is incredible. This is so good. (laughs) I love it. I love hearing that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I've put a ton. I mean, it's so, so it's been 
I was kind of like reborn with the comp stuff because I had been doing music all my life up until that point. And uh-huh. um, like I felt like I was starting from square one and like starting as a baby uh, right. with the comp stuff. And so it was like I've been slowly working my way back into being like a competent songwriter and maker. And uh, mm-hmm. I think even like I changed the name of the project to Blush Cameron for the last record. And that was like my first like like real like deliberate full length record and uh-huh. um uh even then you know I, I listened to it and i'm like oh i don't i could have done this better and i don't really i still don't feel like i knew what i was going for even or like i felt like oh. i was trying too hard to like have a particular sound that would be cool whereas this new right. these new songs i've like got the vision and i've I don't care about making a sound that's, that is cool, and I just know that I'm going to do what I'm good at, which is like big, like big choruses with a lot of harmonies and stuff like that. I guess. Yeah, I think what's what's cool about it, and something that I think is like hard to uh, hard to achieve, is that it doesn't sound. Um, it sounds like. It doesn't sound effortless, but it sounds kind of careless in this and like, <laughs> like, at, like in the sense that like it sounds really big and full and like and developed, but it all it just sounds like I don't know. It's weird. It sounds like for whatever reason the like the image that comes to mind is like sunny day. You're driving like a sports car with a window down, and you just don't like you just don't fucking care. <laughs> you don't like you don't like you don't care that you're in like you're in the car you don't want to be in the you know like i, I don't know i don't that know rules. why but like that's the uh yeah you know one, one big thing that life. i've like come to realize is you got to get out of your way when you're writing songs you know it's like the and it's a weird balance of thinking about it and not thinking about it at all so you got to let yeah. it come out organically but then you also have to think about it like what is it where is it going to next you know yeah I, that's my challenge is like, I think, I think about it too much. And also like, I, <clears throat> I also have this challenge where like, you know, on the one hand, I'm like trying to arrange a song and trying to like write a, write a song, <clears throat> excuse me, that like structurally makes sense. But then on the other hand, like, you know, I'm learning about mic placement and I'm learning about room, like the actual production of it and like getting it, getting it produced the way that you, that you want it to be, you know, so that it sounds, it actually sounds the way you want it to when it's done. I get like, uh, I bounce back and forth between those two so that neither of them ever actually get done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so that's why in some ways, like not having everything I need right now has been super, I've been more productive in the last six months than I was in the whole like year prior to that. Um, or, maybe even like further back where like, you know, uh, now I just sort of like open the voice memo and that's all. I don't even have an amp. I have like a guitar and voice memo. Yeah. When and, there's and, not that pressure there, it becomes so much more like uh, liberating or something. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to yeah. say here? It becomes no, totally. easier and like you write your best stuff without the pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So I don't know. It's a, uh, it's chill, but I, what, like, what are you, uh, 
are you like working on any releases right now? Or I mean, obviously, like shows are out of the question for a while, probably. But yeah, um, I'm working on another release. I I think I'm gonna do like an EP, but you know, it could change, and especially sure. considering that I don't even know if I would release it this year if I can't right. tour or play shows for it. Um, but right. I don't know. I, it's hard to know what to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right now is like, I just hope, like, I hope that you're, I hope that event spaces are able to open back up. Cause like that shit's going to get gnarly if not. And yeah. it also for your sake of like, you know, like that's what that's your job right now and like yeah right. it's just like ev- everything is like up in the air and it feels like it feels a little like event spaces are like some of the last like it just it, it, some of the most uncertain in terms of like what's coming you know yeah. and like like how how badly they'll be affected and yeah, yeah I i've don't know. i've realized like how like reliant i am on going to shows just for my like self-esteem you know like going out and interacting mm. with people makes such a big difference when you're getting that yeah. kind of feedback that social feedback like oh this person is laughing at my joke or like this person is like you know actually ta- having a conversation with me right in person and like looking me in the eyes and like respects me you know i think that like right. does make a subconscious difference absolutely yeah, it's it's wild times. I like I hope that you yeah, I hope things like shake out okay over the next yeah. little bit. Like well, hopefully you get your your uh unemployment and shit and then hopefully you don't need it for yeah. too much longer. It's for real. Yeah. Um well yeah, hopefully I'll see you when this thing is over, either out there. You guys are always welcome to come out here. Yeah. If you feel yeah, like we're, getting away. Yeah, we are we've been planning on making it down to Philly for a while. There's, I'll send you actually, there's supposed to be this, um, do you eat meat? Yeah. Okay. Work. Um, I'll send you this, uh, there's like this taco spot in Philly. That's supposed to be incredible. Maybe you've already been there, but it's, uh, oh. it's just like barbacoa spot. Yes, dude. Have you been? Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, South, okay. South Philly barbacoa, dude. It's so good. Okay, yeah. So we we've been like thinking about coming to, coming to Philly, partly because Selena's never been there, but also because we just want to go try that barbacoa so bad. Yeah. So we will make it down there at some point, and I'll let you know when we're in town. Yeah, please come and let's go to South Philly barbacoa. I'd love that. <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> Word. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for chatting. It was great to catch up with you for a little bit. Dude, this has been awesome.